I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. All right, hey, and welcome everybody to the Touch 'Em All podcast. I'm Derek Wetmore, 1500 ESPN. This is a solo episode. We're going to do it live on Facebook as we try to do every Friday. This Friday is no different, even though the All Star break just wrapped up. That doesn't mean the Twins were off. I mean, I would be shocked if Twins executives weren't fielding or sending texts every day throughout the break. I don't know if there's like some official work moratorium or something like that that everybody observes but my guess is there are at least a few people who don't follow that rule so i'm curious what you guys have to say we'll be reading them on facebook throughout the night what should the twins do we're recording this on july 20th the first day back from the all-star break there's 11 days to go before the non-waiver trade deadline Maybe they'll be active, maybe they won't. I'm curious, though, what you guys want to see happen with them seven and a half games back on the Indians and Cleveland, of course, pulling off their big trade for Chaska's Brad Hand. I mean, it's a tall order at this point, but I want to know what the collective group thinks. So let's just get started here on Facebook. And uh, this is on my Facebook page, Derek Wetmore MLB, if you're just on the podcast and want to know where you can find these every week. Uh, I'll, I'll just read what you guys have. Dustin says, hey, and I know you threw something in here. Dustin chimes in with, what's your take on Dozier and if they're going to trade him? I want them to keep Dozier and let him finish the season and see what goes from there. Dustin also adds that Rodney should go too. So I'll, I'll add those in order, Dustin. I think personally that there's a big decision to be made on Dozier, and that's between keeping him and letting him finishing out the season. You know, whatever happens in the playoff race, that's fine, but the decision really comes down to the qualifying offer, which is, you know, would you be willing to, A, either talk contract extension, I think that's unlikely, or would you be willing to offer him a one-year deal worth around $18 million, let's just call it $18 million on a one-year deal, knowing full well that Dozier could accept that and you're paying him for next year. Are you cool with that? The upside of offering that if you don't want to keep him, so you offer him that and he and his agent turn it down, that's fine. He goes and becomes a free agent just like he would otherwise. Goes and signs with another team, you get draft pick compensation. Because he turned down that qualifying offer, which is thought to be a you know fair market value for a season, if Dozier thinks he can do better than that, then the Twins should extend that to him and let him turn it down. So, Dustin, that's a long way of getting to the point. I think that the question is not should they trade him now and and what is the minimum level you'd be willing to accept. It's do you want to get a prospect now or take that 50-50 road of qualifying offer, maybe he says no, and you get draft pick compensation. So it I don't know. I just look at it as a way of getting a more advanced prospect if you trade him now versus taking the draft pick. Or, let's be honest, maybe Dozier takes that one-year deal worth $18 million to stay in Minnesota. He claims to like it in Minnesota a lot and wants to be there. So, then great. I think uh, if he takes that, I personally would be fine paying him one year and 18 
to hit 30 home runs from second base. That's just me. I think you probably have to figure out what you think of Nick Gordon before you make that decision, though. So, Dustin, that's that's my long-winded answer to a question that's probably at the top of everyone's list right now is, what do you do with Brian Dozier? Uh, so, thanks for the question, Dustin. Always appreciate it. Christy chimes in, too. Christy says, this is answering my original question. Uh, realistically, I doubt the Twins will make any drastic moves before the trade deadline. Thoughts? And I can't do play-by-play in the game, I don't think, but I'm I'm watching it here over my shoulder, too, just so you guys know. If, if you're on Facebook and watching the game, you're watching it right along with me. Your TV might even be a little ahead of mine. Don't spoil anything. Um, Christy, do they make a drastic move? I think it's possible, and it depends on your definition of drastic. I'd say, I mean, for my money, the Twins have already made several drastic moves, and that is sending Miguel Sano to single-A Fort Myers. That's pretty drastic. Guy made the all-star team last year. Um, And then Byron Buxton, who was healthy, and they chose to use an option on him so he could stay in the minor leagues longer. That, to me, is pretty drastic. Um, Maybe not that drastic, considering the play they've gotten from their outfield, but to me, those two guys are sort of at the center of every conversation going forward, and for that reason, I think they have acted sort of rashly. I I don't know if you could really blame them for either one of those moves. I'm just saying it's surprising. Um, So I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting too hung up on the wording of drastic moves, but what else could I see them doing? I could see them doing a number of things, whether it's a you know, maybe a Dozier trade, an Escobar trade, or extension. Uh, Kyle Gibson trade, a Jake Odorizzi trade. Uh, you know, I don't think you'd think uh, there would be fireworks if you trade Fernando Rodney or Zach Duke or um, Logan Morrison, I guess, or Lance Lynn. I mean, you're just not going to get a very big return on those contracts right now, probably. That'd be my guess. Um now, then again, all it takes is one contender to be interested and overestimate the market value of a bat or of a mid-rotation starter or back end of the rotation starter, I guess, in some cases. And then, hey, you might have a prospect on your hands. That's fine. But, Christy, I guess I'd just turn it around and say the only thing that I could see that would be drastic or, or shocking, I, I would be really surprised to see them make a real impact addition in the next two weeks. And by that, I mean uh, an impact addition for this year. Of course, if you trade for something and you've got him for three more years, like the Indians have done with Brad Hand, well, that's not too shocking because you're also playing for the future. But if the Twins make a full-on, you know, full-court press, all-in bet on the 2018 season, I, I personally think that would be a drastic move. Um, but who knows? I have uh, haven't been covering the game too long but long enough to know i'm wrong basically all the time so that's uh that's my condensed thoughts all right winding up the end of the the top of the first here david says uh, david is responding to the original question of what do you want to see the twins do and he says trade dozier duke and rodney and Honestly, anyone in this chat, can can any of us disagree that all three of those are possibilities? I mean, I don't know how much you'd get for Rodney. 
he does have an affordable option next year that the team could choose to pick up. So if another team's looking for, I don't know, middle to late innings and they want a cheap option for next year in their bullpen too, well, Fernando Rodney, you could do worse. Um, and then if you don't want him, feel free to not pick up that option. And it's, it's a relatively cheap buyout. I don't remember what the number is off the top of my head, but maybe it's like a quarter million dollars or something, which in MLB terms is peanuts. And you're, yeah, so you're basically hedging against a bet on Rodney with that option year. And if you're a postseason team, you don't need Rodney to be your closer. Like all postseason teams have better closers. They all have at least one lights out reliever. Cleveland just added at least one in Brad Hand, and they're probably about to get another one back in Andrew Miller. That's a, that's a good bullpen. So, uh, anyway, Rodney, maybe limited market value, but possibly you could get something. Duke, I think it's a wild card because some team might pay for the veteranness and the fact that he's left-handed, um, been there, done that kind of a thing. Um, Duke quietly one of the leaders in that bullpen too. That's just sort of my read on the situation. Uh, no one necessarily, you know, touts that or, or brags about it. Certainly you won't hear Zach Duke brag about it, but I think, uh, I think a lot of those twins relievers do look to him as sort of that, uh, leader in, in that room. And, that means something. I mean, postseason clubs generally, you'd think, have you know pretty good chemistry, so it's not like they're making a move to fix their clubhouse by any means. But you do have a situation where a talented player who's a headache might not fetch you as much in a trade. And so my point is just that by not being a headache as a player, as a professional, then cool. You've upped your market value just that much more. It's the same with any working environment, right? You could have an, a, a coworker who just gets everything done, whatever, hits their goals every quarter, but if they're just a jerk, you'd rather work with somebody who's a half a step worse that makes your day-to-day existence in the office a little bit better, right? I mean, just speaking from personal experience, I can say that that same thing happens in an MLB clubhouse. 100% that happens in a clubhouse. So take that into mind when you're thinking about guys like Dozier or Duke or Rodney, David. Really, all of those guys, um, I don't think they're going to hurt themselves in that way. Yeah, cool. All right, so that's that's the first three questions. We'll try to get some, I was going to say, maybe some rapid fire, but with a slightly smaller crowd just coming off the All-Star break, honestly... We've got some time here. I'm, I'm not rushing off to anything. If you have questions, drop them in the chat. Um, looks like I'll have plenty of time to answer a lot of questions today, so don't be shy. If you've got something, I see Joseph, Dustin with another one, John, Jonathan, Tony, Christy again, Andrew. Uh, definitely there are some things to get to and appreciate everyone who's leaving their comments. If you're brand new or if this is your first chat, welcome. Uh, appreciate you stopping by and yeah, we'll just hang out tonight. Oh, if you are new, I should say, well, I've got two quick promotional things. First one, if you're new and you don't know, we're recording a podcast. I might use your questions on the podcast. We just, honestly, it's not high tech. We take this audio from our little chat, from our hangout on Friday nights. And the people that couldn't be there on Friday, either because they're working during the day when we usually do them or whatever, 
Maybe they are limited to a certain amount of Facebook time or something. Whatever the case is, we always post these back, put them on the Touch Em All podcast. So if you're not a Touch Em All podcast listener, worth checking out. Um, hopefully, as things get busy here, we're going to have a number of podcasts leading up to the trade deadline, analyzing every trade they do or don't make. Um, buyers, sellers, stand patters, doesn't matter to us. We're going to break it all down give our opinion and analysis, and uh, we'll do that through the rest of the MLB season and into the offseason too. So that's plug number one. Uh, Plug number two, in the name of self-promotion, since we're doing that now, uh, I'm going to be on TV tonight. CARE 11 News uh, invited me on to talk with Eric Perkins and Twins and Trade Deadline and all of that stuff this time of year. So that's on tonight's show. Um, It's on the Sports Hit during the 10 o'clock news. So you can check that out if you feel so inclined. If you want to hear us talking about Brian Dozier and Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton, we we basically just talked twins for a couple of minutes. And anyway, that's going on TV. I'll post it if they share the video, which I, I think they will put it online. I'll share that on 1500ESPN.com too. So you can find it in either place. Um, but that was super cool. Uh, thanks to Care 11 for having me on for that. Those are my two plugs, and I'll try to get away from the self-promotion and just answer some questions. Joseph Patrick, and we've been over this before if you're new to the podcast. This is not Joseph Patrick Maurer, so you don't have to worry that there's someone named Joseph Patrick chiming in at 726 when Joe Maurer should be playing a baseball game. This is a different Joseph Patrick. Uh, Joseph Patrick says, I want to see the Twins go 81-0 and in the second half. Thoughts? I'll hang up and listen. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure uh, that's Joseph being snarky because we've already passed the 81 game mark. That's gone. So second half, probably can't go 81-0. In fact, mathematically impossible to do that. But if they do go undefeated from here, I see it as a likelihood that they make it to the postseason. Sort of depends what Cleveland does. John says, uh, related, if Dozier goes, who replaces him if the Twins are legitimately not giving up on 2019, 2020, etc.? Who replaces Dozier if the Twins are not giving up on, so next year and the year after that? Well, John, I don't know for sure, but it's possible we could just be talking about Nick Gordon. I mean, Jorge Polanco... Still has a ways to go before he's Andrelton Simmons with the glove. But for me, the last year, I mean, really last year, because he hasn't played much this year. Last year, I thought he was better defensively at shortstop. I mean, like I said, he's still, he's not going to win a gold glove at shortstop. But with a bat like that, if he hits the way he did the final two months of last year, you don't need to, you don't need to pick it that much at shortstop to be a high value player. So maybe Polanco is their shortstop and Nick Gordon plays second base. Also possible, having not seen Gordon play a ton in the minor leagues, I've really only seen his spring stuff, talking up close and personal. I mean, maybe he's a shortstop and Jorge Polanco slides over and is a bat for second baseman. Well, that's that's a possibility, but you've just heard so many times through the past couple of years, even though he's only 22, you've heard... Well, is Nick Gordon going to stick at shortstop? Uh, Maybe not. And if that's the case, then it seems like that would be kind of the natural succession plan if 
Dozier leaves in free agency. The other thing I should point out is, let's say you get a look at Gordon in September and you think, well, not quite ready to take an everyday role. I don't think it would be impossible to find, you know, a middle infielder in free agency without having gone and broke, broken down the class and all that. And, you know, Manny Machado's maybe one domino that, that changes the shopping this winter. But last year there were some pretty affordable infielders had on on really, I think, discounted deals. So if you're the Twins and you're building sort of a veteran team for next year, let's say you're making a leveraged bet on Miguel Sano being a third baseman, um, Jorge Polanco's your shortstop, so a little questionable left side of the infield, and then you're not ready to hand the keys to Gordon at second base, well, then maybe you can go find an infielder. Um, I should say, as big of an Eduardo Escobar guy as I am, I think he's a little overrated defensively, so I don't know that I'd just make him the second baseman, it, personally, if I was the Twins. But uh, that's another option you could go. Let's say Dozier walks or you trade Dozier and he doesn't return in free agency. Well, maybe Eduardo Escobar on a contract makes sense. I don't know. These are all just spitballing ideas. But, John, to answer your question on if he goes, which remains an if at this point, uh, who replaces him, the Twins have some options there. It's a good question, John. Uh, thanks for thanks for posing it to the chat. All right. I didn't see this. I should have read this one first. Jonathan chimed in right after John, two different human beings, and asked, does Nick Gordon get called up? Well, that sort of ties in with everything I was just talking about. Think about this. I'll just throw out two possibilities of ways things could go this isn't you know this isn't breaking down or prediction of what's going to happen or highly sourced speculation or anything like that i'm just saying what if the twins just kept everybody maybe they trade rodney and somebody offers them something for logan morrison so that's fine then everybody else brian dozier eduardo escobar um, lance lynn kyle gibson Jake Odorizzi, all of these guys stay put. If that's the case, it's harder to see playing time for Nick Gordon. Even as a September call-up, maybe give him a September call-up as sort of a reward um, if you felt like his season went well as a 22-year-old in the International League. Um, And just to get some seasoning, because you never know what will happen this winter with the Twins infield situation. But short of, uh, yeah, just sort of a, a gift promotion to get some big league playing time, if the Twins don't make moves, it's really hard to see the path for Nick Gordon. Um, I mean, maybe you're more curious about seeing him than you are Taylor Motter. Well, okay, then that's fine, but how many starts is Taylor Motter getting a week? So consider that. Consider Sano will probably be back in September, if not before that. So that takes another, not only infield spot, but 25-man roster spot, which is kind of important in this conversation. And I think that Really, that's going to be the the answer to your Nick Gordon question, Jonathan, is totally dependent on other people. Like It has so little to do with Nick Gordon. Not really fair to Nick Gordon, because if he starts mashing in the International League, he deserves to be up. But shortstop right now, spoken for. I'm looking at the graphic on the infield right now for the Twins on TV. Shortstop spoken for. Third base, clearly spoken for. In fact, if Sano comes back, you could argue you've got a little problem there. First base, clearly Mowers with Morrison backing him up as soon as he's healthy. 
Um, and second base belongs to Dozier, as long as Dozier is in a Twins uniform. So, anyway, I don't know if that really answers your question, Jonathan, but but here, I'll just answer it as succinctly as possible. You ask, does Nick Gordon get called up? My question is, that depends. <laughs> yes, if guys get moved and there's a spot, you want to see him. Excuse me. But short of that happening, uh, I don't know. Hey, let's pull up Nick Gordon's line as long as we're talking about him. I don't know if it'll be the last time we talk about him today, but just in case it is, I want to make sure we have this on the podcast. Nick Gordon's currently 22. He won't turn 23 until end of October, just in case you wanted to feel older than you were already feeling. And uh, so far at AAA Rochester, he's got in 54 games, here's what the Twins' shortstop prospect is hitting, 244 batting average, with a 264 on base percentage, 354 slugging. So, you know, I've I've defended Nick Gordon a lot in the past from people who have criticized him as not an elite prospect. I think there's something to be said for just checking a lot of boxes as Nick Gordon, you know, as a prospect. Can hit enough, a little bit of power, can run a little bit, can field okay, even though there are questions like, He's just doing all of this at such a high level at 22. I think it's fairly easy to see him getting regular big league playing time. Now, with that being said, nothing has stood out necessarily in the in the package as a minor leaguer. So, um, yeah, with, with that being said, there is... You'd like to see more from the bat before you start clamoring um, uh, for, a, for a Nick Gordon call-up right now. But Jonathan says, bless you. I believe that's in response to the sneeze. Thank you, my good man. Keep that in mind uh, anytime you think about Nick Gordon the rest of the way. Hey, and I had one observation. I'll, I'll jump in. I'll get right back into the comments. I promise I won't turn this into a show about me. This is a show about you guys. But coming out of the break, out of the All-Star break, Twins have four days off, all Twins, with the exception of Jose Barreos, who you watched pitch Tuesday night in the All-Star game. And who's behind the plate on the first day out of the break? It's Bobby Wilson. That tells you everything you need to know about what the Twins think about their catching situation right now. Um, I think if the Twins are out of it, I really would like to see more Mitch Garver behind the plate. I don't think he's that good of a defensive catcher. I have certainly criticized him in the past. But offensively, he gives you the best hope for some upside in the future. And Bobby Wilson, as much respect as I have for the guy and what he's done for the pitching staff and how much the pitchers in general respect him, I think if you're a team that's playing for 2019, it's a pretty easy decision to give more innings to Mitch Garver over Bobby Wilson. I mean, unless you think the ship has just sailed on Mitch Garver being a big league catcher, in which case that'd be pretty disappointing. All right, curious to see if Kyle Gibson gets out of this, and I will. I promise I'll get to your questions here. Uh-oh, I think I saw a spoiler in the comments. Yep. <laughs> yep. Jonathan, you're a little bit ahead of me there. Jonathan says, got to catch that, and uh, anyone who's watching live knows exactly what he's talking about. Anyone who's listening on the podcast, he's talking about Eduardo Escobar trying to make the over-the-shoulder grab in foul territory. So, yeah. 
I don't know what it's like in Kansas City right now. I'm in Minnesota watching on TV. But, uh, yeah, boy, that's not a good look. It's a tough play. You're going over your shoulder, and you got to do that um, as a third baseman. Well, that's a strike every day of the week. Anyway, uh, I think... I don't think I expected to have the sort of quasi-validation so quickly after... Uh, I've seen some people talk about maybe Escobar as a fallback to Manny Machado. And he's Manny Machado light-light. I mean, defensively, he's not Manny Machado, and, and offensively, he's not the hitter Machado is. I like Escobar an awful lot, but... Calling him Machado Light is a pretty big compliment. I was just saying earlier on the video, anyone who's just joining, I was saying that I think Escobar's a little bit overrated defensively. And that's not a good look, that play. Anyway, we'll stop bragging on Escobar. We'll get to another question here. All right. Tony says, hold on a second, Tony. I'll get to your question in a second. I just saw someone chime in on the score. And Gibson gets out of it. But he's probably not too happy that he gave up those two runs. Uh, yeah, Robert says, 2 nothing in the first. Operators are standing by. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tony, we'll get back to your question here. Tony says, Extend Dozier. This is in response to the original question posed. The What do you think? What do you want to see from the Twins the rest of the way? He says, Extend Dozier with a down market can get him for a reasonable deal. Yes and no. Um, maybe you could get him for a reasonable deal if you're all about ripping off players, which I know front offices are. That's fine. But... If Dozier and his agent think they could do better elsewhere, they're obviously going to go to the free agent market, if that's what's important to them. And who could blame them? I wouldn't blame any of my coworkers for seeking you know, greater employment opportunities somewhere else if they weren't available in their current company. Uh, that's what's happening with Brian Dozier right now. He is the coworker who's coming up on the end of his working agreement. And short of having something else, you know, renewed or extended, I think you're going to see him go into free agency. And let's see. Reasonable deal. I'm trying to think what else. I don't know. I don't know. Because you're also talking about multiple years of Brian Dozier. Like, if it's one year, if you offer him the qualifying and it's $18 million and you're just comfortable with that, that's fine. I, I've said before on multiple podcasts and videos, I'd be comfortable with that. One year at, what is it, he'll be 32 or he'll turn 32, I think, next May. By no means is that over the hill for a power-hitting second baseman. We've seen him sort of start to get hot a little bit at the end of the, I hate calling it the first half, but just, just before the All-Star break, you saw some signs of life from Dozier's bat, and I don't know. I, personally... If you're going much beyond that age 32 season, what like that would be my question to you, Tony. If you're still hanging out, <laughs> and I see Tony chiming in too, he says he can't really. I, bas I think he's basically 
qualifying his opinion. He says, extend Dozier, you can get it for a reasonable deal. And then he says in parentheses, says the guy who has Dozier in his own profile picture. So, yeah, just consider that. And, Tony, I got you. I'm fully on board here. But how many years do you want to go with Dozier, right? I think if you're in a spot where you're buying his age 32, 33, 34, 35, and 36 years— that's more than I'm comfortable with, even if you get the quote-unquote discount. The other thing to consider, too, is that Dozier already gave him a discount once, in my opinion. I mean, he could have gone year-to-year in arbitration and probably made more money than the four years and $20 million that he made from the Twins over the past four seasons. So I couldn't hardly blame him if he wants to go another, you know, his maybe his last good chance to strike it rich, go into free agency and see what happens. So, anyway, those are my quick thoughts on Dozier. All right, Christy says, with May and Santana coming back soon, who gets bumped out of the rotation? I'm going to look up Irvin Santana's start. All right, this is from the Rochester Red Wings Twitter account. Irvin Santana, six innings, two hits, one run, three walks, and only one strikeout. Um, Irvin Santana could be back soon for sure. I'm not discounting that, but Christy, to answer your question, I would say it's possible the question is in the other direction. You say, who is bumped from the rotation for Trevor May or um, Irvin Santana? I would say when a spot opens up, you know, I think the spot opening up happens first and so in one scenario that's fernando romero gets sent down before the break monday is to be determined maybe that spot belongs to an Irvin santana trevor may we should add been moved to the bullpen um but yeah trevor may hasn't started a game since may 27th and he had a little bit of shoulder inflammation that he was dealing with but uh he's pitching he's pitching two inning stints right now for rochester his last two outings he went two innings and then two and a third the other day. I don't see him back in the starting rotation anytime soon. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a mistake. I would like to see him back at some point, but that Monday spot could be open. That could be Irvin Santana or it could be somebody else. And if Lance Lynn or somebody is traded, that frees up another spot. Um, yeah, and it would make sense if Santana's sort of the next guy in line. I know that in a couple of weeks here, you're talking about the end of his official rehab assignment. I think that's, a, I want to say, second week of August, but that's just straight off the top of my head from memory. So obviously don't trust that. I'm just saying that if if uh, there's a spot open and Irvin Santana's ready to face big league hitters again, it would make sense that, that he would be kind of that first one back in that spot. Michael chimes in asking the Twins to sell, sell, sell. He says, in response to the original, what do you want to see from the Twins in the quote-unquote second half? He says, yard sell. So, and it, I mean, it's hard to argue. Like, seven and a half games in one way sounds close, but when you consider how short the runway is for the Twins to get it done, that's that's tough. 
Um, I just don't see them being able to... I mean, you got to basically go undefeated against the Indians or make some crazy gap by beating up on the American League Central, which, by the way, has taken you to about 500. So the first part of the season, I do think... Uh, I do think we have to let the way the Twins played before the break, we have to let it inform what we think about the Twins the rest of the way. With that being said, barring some major moves, I could absolutely see the Twins with a better winning percentage after the break. It's just that they're no longer starting from the starting line. You have to run a mile to get to the starting line for the marathon. And 27.2 miles is hard to run, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. But I'm with you, Michael. I mean, I think that's the right way to go. All right, Tracy says, I'd like to see the Twins not trade anyone and not push the panic button. I want to know who out there is in agreement with that because Tracy can't be the only person who thinks that. You know, a lot of people probably just want to see this thing play out. Hey, you don't have to trade prospects down the road to go add somebody, but... If you sell Dozier and Lynn and Gibson and Rodney right now, you're taking away a potential chance at a postseason uh, for some future that may never materialize. For you know, if Buxton and Sano don't develop, it's hard to see that sort of championship caliber club that Falvey and Levine talk about a lot. It's hard to see that in the next year or two years. So, I understand the point of view that says. Take a shot this year, even if it's a remote shot. If it's 1%, if it's 5%, try to punch that cheap ticket through the Indians into the postseason and see what happens. You've got a staff now that can contend. Assuming everything goes your way on offense, you've got a pretty good lineup too. So it just kind of stinks for the Twins that they're so far back behind that starting line now because otherwise, Tracy, that'd be an interesting strategy. For the record, I don't agree. I think that you should play for 2019, and I think you should trade pieces from this team to get that done. But I know, Tracy, that you're not the only one. So if there are other people out there, uh, feel free to chime in. Let me know if you disagree with what I'm saying here. Brandon says, any idea if we'll see Michael Pineda this season? I think you will. I think that's going to happen. Um I don't know when exactly because he'll have to go through minor league rehab, but I talked to Pineda like, I don't know, two weeks, maybe two weeks before the all-star break, and he's feeling good. He's getting towards the end of what's a long and sort of isolated rehab, but he was doing a lot of it at target field. So I watched him throw, gosh, I don't even know. I shouldn't I shouldn't put a pitch count number on it because someone will take it and say report Pineda through X number of pitches, but... I saw him throw a decent length bullpen session at target field with a hitter standing in. So he's getting to the point where he's letting it loose, and the next step then is to face hitters in either a sim game um, or progress to A ball and face live hitters for the first time in about a year because I think he had the surgery in July. Now, if I'm the Twins, he's not coming back in the starting rotation this year. That's a given. But maybe out of the bullpen. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Twins want to be more aggressive than the conventional timeline and have a starter pitch, what, 13 months after his surgery and try to stretch him out to be a starting pitcher. Now, I, I don't think that's going to happen, so I don't think you'll see him in the rotation, uh, Brandon. But 
You asked, do you think you'll see Michael Pineda this season? And I would guess yes. I think you will. Dave Hansen says, Roy Smalley is so much better at insights to the game. Dave, I love Roy. I think he's really good. I think Justin Morneau has been fantastic in the limited run that I've seen this year. I don't get to watch every game on TV, but um, I've seen Morneau, I think, for two games, and I've seen Hawkins for a couple. Um, Smalley's got the polish because he's been doing it for a number of years, but I think Morneau is is great at providing some of that in-depth insight, stuff that you just couldn't get unless you played Major League Baseball and you're getting it for free on your television set. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with you there, Dave. I think Roy's the best. Brian Olson says, wish for the second half? How about free beer at Target Field? That I can't control, my friend. That I cannot control. All right. So Tony asks, is quote-unquote personal experience regarding a coworker you don't enjoy working with? Is that about Judd? No, I'm saying the opposite. Um, I'm saying, although, geez, I hope Judd's not watching this video. He's got better things to do on a Friday night. He's probably hammering out a column right now. Uh, I'm saying that I would prefer to work with somebody who's enjoyable, that I don't need them to be the Hall of Fame superstar awesomeness it's just more enjoyable when they're a pleasant person to also deal with. Not just my coworkers, but I'm saying like around too. You know, I'm recording a podcast on location. Well, great. I want the people that we deal with to be good people. There's a bonus for that. So, uh, Tony, to answer your question directly, is personal experience regarding a coworker you don't enjoy about Judd? I will just say no comment. <laughs> Wade says, we can't do better at DH? Question mark, exclamation mark. I mean, that's got to do with injuries. Logan Morrison's on the shelf. And uh, who is it? It's Mitch Garver, right? I'm saying that from memory. Yeah, so two things are playing against that. One, Logan Morrison's on the disabled list with that hip. I mean, Mitch Garver might be one of the better hitters in the lineup right now, so it, it makes sense that he's at DH. But the real reason is that you'd be disappointed by this. I mean, Robbie Grossman's not having a Robbie Grossman year, and he's got to play right field given that uh, Max Kepler slides over to center field to replace who else? Byron Buxton. So anyway, I mean, yeah, the lineup's not perfect. It hasn't been basically all season, and this is just a fact of life at this point for the Twins. Wade was not happy about that, though. Uh, if we got time, I'll get to this, but do you guys think that Brad Hand trade for the Indians was a good deal? And they shore up their bullpen for sure. You gotta like Brad Hand. Always nice to be able to add a Minnesotan to the roster for the postseason push. And... The reason I ask is because they gave up Francisco Mejia, who was supposed to be this stud catching prospect. You don't just give up stud catching prospects in AAA for a couple years of a reliever, even if he's a very good reliever. Often you don't see that. Not enough catching in the game today. The best teams covet their good catchers. What gives? I'm curious what you guys think. Are you happy that the Indians gave up a possible piece of their future, or are you 
mad that they're going to get Brad Hand for the stretch run and then maybe a couple seasons after that too. Gary chimes in. What do you want to see the Twins do? He says, keep the team together. No trades till the offseason. You need a catcher, and the Twins need to go 45-23 and 23 in the second half to get into Oktoberfest. 45-23. and 23. That is a very specific record prediction, but I will co-sign on that. Without doing any of the math, I'll say you're right, and that would be tough. That would be really tough for this team to do playing short a couple of pieces and knowing full well that in 11 days you have a deadline for uh, making trades without going through waivers. And waiver trades are hard. Everyone now says, oh, that's fine, just wait till August for a deal. Well, Justin Verlander trades don't just materialize overnight. Um, In fact, there's some great pieces out there talking about how that deal almost didn't get done. So don't count on that. Trades happen in July. That's when you can bank on them best. There are fewer limitations. Um, so, anyways, 45 and 23, huh? Go get them, I say. Marcel wants to know, uh, do you think any of our tradable players could get a top 100 prospect? Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I mean, a couple months of Eduardo Nunez, was it two years ago? Got you Adalberto Mejia. At the time, I think I saw him, he was rated 91 on Baseball America's list. So I don't know if he was a consensus top 100. I don't remember, honestly, but he was on somebody's list. And Mejia's got some potential. I got... So annoyed with him last year for not pounding the strike zone. Um, he seems to have better stuff than his results would indicate. And then at a certain point, I just decided, all right, it looks to me like he wants to be happy giving up three earned runs in four and a third innings with six strikeouts and three walks. And that, to me, just wasn't enough. So there's still some maturing that I, I think needs to happen. And... It's, this is not really part of your question, but it's germane to what you're asking, Marcel. Is a top 100 prospect does not guarantee a good starting player for years to come, but it does increase your chances. Like, I'd rather have, if I'm the Twins, Adalberto Mejia than whatever random player you can pull off waivers throughout the middle of the season. It's Mejia's just got a better shot to have a, a mid-rotation upside than one of those guys would. Um, but who would be the most likely? I mean, I maybe Kyle Gibson. I'd rather have Kyle Gibson for the next year and two months than I would have that two months of Eduardo Nunez, if that answers your question. So, but I don't know. I'm not an MLB GM, and Brian Sabian's got three World Series rings. Uh, John. John says, thoughts on whether Cole Stewart gets a September call-up. After being left unprotected in the Rule 5 draft, it seems like he is worth a look, especially if the Twins are out of the race. I'm going to look up his minor league numbers right this very second because I think from a reliever perspective, you're going to see some other guys in front of him. And if he's a starter in the big leagues, 
I'm not sure there's a spot for him is what I was going to say. Um, pull up his game log because he's split time, obviously, Chattanooga. And his last four starts have been at Rochester. Uh, first two starts did not go very well in Rochester. Six innings, five earned runs. Five innings, five earned runs. But after that, he settled down and has two consecutive starts of six innings and one run. He'll take that, especially his latest one, which is six innings, eight strikeouts, no, uh, let's see, no homers, uh, two walks. Was that on the infield? I'm sorry. Yeah, you'll take that last start, is what I'm trying to say, David, but I, I don't know. Like, they're just, there are more people in line in front of him, if you ask me. The, there are enough people to make one interesting start at AAA Rochester not really that interesting to me. I think got to prove it before. Um, with that being said, he is only 23 years old, so you know if you give up on him, give up on him at your own peril. But I got to double check. I'm not sure he's a 40 man guy. Not that that matters. I mean, you can you can get around that. I know, but. Yeah, no Cole Stewart on the 40-man. So you'd have to make that move, too. I I don't know. I think I'm just going to stick with show me more before, you know, start banging on that drum. But it's a good question, John. Devin wants to know, do you see Adrianza being a twin next year as far as a depth guy? Honestly... I know his numbers look better than what I'm about to say, but I'm just, I was disappointed in what Adrianza has, has given the twins so far this year. Um, he's making a million bucks this year. So, you know, that's fine. Uh, let's see. Yeah. He'd be an arbitration guy again next year. So you'd have to give him probably a raise from that. And I really like his glove at shortstop defensively. I don't know that the Twins have a better defensive shortstop. Um, but he had a little hot stretch there, which makes his offensive numbers look better. This is going to sound weird from a stats guy, but but I think his productivity at the plate has not been... I don't even know how to word this without sounding like a putz, but that he just... His offensive numbers haven't made up for the disappointing play that I've seen from Adrianza this year. I, and that includes just sort of some dumb things on the bases for a not very fast guy. He sure gets picked off a lot. Um, not being aware of the situation in certain spots where I just you'd expect a big leaguer to make that play. Um, maybe I'm too down on him because I know like his numbers certainly look better. And there are people who, who say... The Twins didn't really miss Jorge Polanco because of the production they got offensively from shortstop. I don't buy that for one second. I think the Twins missed Adrianza, or I'm sorry. I think the Twins missed Jorge Polanco a lot. Adrianza, for the record, just in the essence of fairness, he's hitting 262 with a 319 on base and 405 slugging. That's in 216 plate appearances. If you're more into the weighted on base average side of things, A Ray Adrianza's got a 312 Woba. 
and he's currently sporting a 94 weighted runs created plus, according to Fangraphs. So, I mean, his offense has been 94% of the big league average, and for a shortstop, that's pretty darn good, but I just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm too down on him. You guys let me know what you think, but I don't know that uh, if you're counting on him for more than uh, backup at shortstop, second base, and third base, I don't think I'd take him. But if you can get him fairly cheaply, it's pretty valuable, in my opinion, to have a player who can hit and back up three positions. So if any one of those guys gets hurt or whatever, you just need somebody to rotate around, I would take Adrianza for that role if I was the Twins. But here we are talking about the 24th guy on the roster, as we always seem to do (laughs) at this time of year. Once we get tired of talking about the Brian Dozier trade possibilities... Gary says, trade Gibson and Kepler for a starting pitcher? Well, you'd be getting rid of a starting pitcher in that trade. What's wrong with Kyle Gibson? John says, thanks for the reply. Anytime, man. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, Gary also wants to know, when will Royce be up in the major leagues? Well, it'll be a couple of years. Um, but you could see him, I don't know, is is three years too aggressive of a timeline? I don't necessarily think so. What it in twenty twenty one? Does that make sense? Um, the Twins don't really have a big history of aggressive promotions of uh, young position players. But with that being said, Nick Gordon is their consensus, you know, number two or three prospect right now, and he's in AAA starting. So maybe they will be aggressive with Royce Lewis. Nora, in response to the original questions, what do you want to see the Twins do in the quote-unquote second half? Nora says, I'd like to see them quit leaving so many runners on base. Yeah, I mean, put them on, drive them in. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, Nora, but definitely the offense has left something to be desired. It's sad, really. Like, the first time the Twins, you feel... The first time that 80% of the rotation gives you a non-zero chance to win each night, and then you stub your toe with Miguel Sano going to the minor leagues, Byron Buxton, no pun intended, obviously, breaks his toe, and that sort of derails his 2018 season, and Jorge Polanco gets suspended for 80 games for performance-enhancing drugs. Dozier didn't have a great first half. Joe Maurer missed three-plus weeks, and wasn't always the Joe Maurer uh, we came to know over the first, what, six weeks of the season. Logan Morrison stung the ball in a lot of cases, but doesn't have the numbers to show for it. And then he's on the DL. I mean, it's just been bad offensively for the Twins. A lot of regression. Jason Castro was not hitting at all before he got hurt. Or, if you want to spin the story this way, Jason Castro got hurt, tried to play through it, and then was not hitting. Uh, and the Twins' backup there, the backup plan just hasn't been great. So anyway, yeah, Nora, hard to disagree. Let's see if it happens. Here I feel not not dumb, but I feel like I was proven wrong when this offseason, anytime Mackie and Judd had me on the radio, or anytime Phil and I would do a podcast together, we'd talk about this offense has a legitimate chance to be one of the best in the American League, best in baseball. 
that has not been the case this year. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Will they be able to fix it? We'll see. Just for fun, I'm going to look up team leaderboards here. Team leaderboards in runs. The Twins are tied for 14th with the Texas Rangers. 424 runs scored. Let's look at team weighted on base average. All right, Twins right in the middle of the pack there again. Their 312 weighted on base is tied for 17th in baseball. It's tied with the Pirates, Rangers, and Cardinals. Just ahead of the Phillies. Phillies who are going to make a push here for the postseason, it looks like. So, anyway, take that for what it's worth. The offense has been disappointing compared with our expectations, but... But, you know, still mid-pack. So, anyway. We got a couple more here. I see Lauren joining the chat, James, Andrew. I got to start wrapping up here, too. Um... We got some things to get to. Nora, thanks for stopping by. I forgot to say that. Always appreciate your insight. Uh, Franklin says, if you trade Escobar, what are the chances he signs back with the Twins next year? I, I don't know. I haven't talked to Escobar about that, but I guess I would just answer that how I answer all of these questions. What are the chances of that remote thing happening? Non-zero. Non-zero for sure. Tony says thanks for the reply. No problem, man. Anytime. Robert, rest of the way. Maximize the value of expiring contracts. Don't panic and deal Gibson um, unless someone blows you out of the water with an offer for Kyle Gibson. Then Robert continues, he says, and turn Buxton and Sano back into cornerstones instead of question marks. Maybe I'm delusional, but I think they can compete in 2019. Nope, not delusional at all. In fact, you just got the new pinned comment. That's exactly right. Uh, maximize value from expiring contracts. Don't panic. Um, don't make like a panic deal for Gibson, he's saying, unless someone blows you away with an offer. Yep, I agree. Gibson in your starting rotation for 2019. And then finishes it up with the coup de grace. He says, turn Buxton and Sano back into cornerstones instead of question marks. Right you are, Robert. Uh, the Twins can compete in 2019, in my opinion. Christy says, if they hold steady, what free agents could they sign in the offseason? Well, Manny Machado is going to be a free agent. Clayton Kershaw could opt out of his contract. Bryce Harper is going to be a free agent. But to be honest with you, I have not turned the clock that far forward to start thinking about free agency for the Twins. Kind of focused on the trade deadline right now, given that they could really alter the course of the next two or three years with the right or wrong moves this July. Andrew says, Brad Hand is a stud, but I would never give up the best catching prospect in MLB. For 
relief pitcher that is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's two years ago. This trade would have been absolutely bananas crazy for the Indians. And if they pay it off with a World Series, I think you're fine to lose that trade. The Cubs could use Glaber Torres, sure, but Heraldus Chapman won him a World Series ring, so. I think that's it. I'm going to click over to Twitter to see if anybody had any uh, shouts over there, but more like uh, more likely to get the good questions from Facebook. That's just been my experience. Hmm. Yeah, all right. That's it. Uh, like I say, every week... Thank you guys for coming to Facebook. I know it's a Friday night and you got lots of other things that you could be doing. I appreciate you hanging out with me for a little while anyway. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, do go check out the Facebook page. It's Derek Wetmore MLB. And if you've been disappointed that I don't post on Twitter as much, I'm posting most of my stuff on Facebook. I try to put something new up every day, if it, whether it's a question or responding to some question that somebody gave me on the email newsletter or on our radio station or on a podcast or whatever. That's where I'm putting most of my social media energy into these days. Uh, side note, if uh, anybody wants to run my Twitter account for me, that would be greatly appreciated. Very welcomed. But uh, I'll leave you with two plugs. Podcast listeners, check out my Facebook page, Derek Watmore MLB. And secondly, Facebookers and podcast listeners, I was on uh, Care 11. We taped that earlier today, Friday, July 20th. They'll put that in the 10 o'clock news, talking twins, second half of the season, all that good stuff. So find that on their website or 1500ESPN.com, wherever you want to. That's it for me. Thanks again for hanging out, guys. Truly appreciate it. And uh, who knows? We'll see what this next week holds, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.